Can't do stereo and mono. Come on. You fucking guy. You. <laughs> that a soldier boy reference? You just dab on me? Oh my god. Not my problem. Okay, I'm going to dive into the thing that we do, which is podcasting. To what degree of quality, I'm not sure, but we're doing it. And we're doing it with a smile on our faces. I need you to listen to that episode from last week, man. Very interesting. You had a lot of energy. Partly it was probably the Henry Weinhards, and probably it was partly being in the same room as another human being. It's so rare. Partially deprivation and... Being anxious because we were doing a video podcast, but the the video and the audio didn't work, and it was all just a big ugh, problem. It was kind of a cool thing, though. I I enjoyed it for what it was. No, it was fun. Three years ago, I mean, not quite, I mean, but twenty sixteen, you know, later twenty sixteen, honorary three years. Yeah, I'm rounding up. Okay, it was more than two years ago. <laughs> That's basically three. Uh, this is Kyle Crusade Podcast. I'm EJ Olson. This is Nick Durheim. We haven't recorded actually in like two weeks, just the way things worked with the sc- We've uploaded every Wednesday. Mm, close. If you round down, <laughs> listen, it was Wednesday on the West Coast where I reside. It might have been when it uploaded, but it didn't post until Thursday. It popped up for According me to, right away. To me. I don't know. Weird, I don't man. Know, man. Frustrating. Anyway, we hit it. it whatever. We're within the margin of error, okay? <laughs> oh, I respect it. But a lot has happened since. Um, since we last actually spoke, did Nintendo Direct happen two weeks ago? Yeah, they didn't have it announced by the time we recorded last time, did they? They hadn't. You, but you, no, it was the last one that you had called. We we think we made a joke about how they're going to announce a Direct after we upload the podcast, and they literally did. Last time you you called it to the day. This time it was just a joke about the last time it happened, but then it happened. Yeah, the Smash Bros. one was easy, and there will be another Smash Bros. Direct probably next month, but... We'll get to that. We're going to talk about games we've been playing. I haven't played shit, Nick, at all. I've been on vacation, and then I was in the studio working, and then I was playing catch-up from being sick and then doing those two things. So I haven't played anything except for a little bit of Wargru on the plane. And let me tell you, it made me wish the plane would have just gone down. It's hard. Wargroove went from being like a quirky, cute, fun experience to just like full-on rage. Since they announced that they're doing some patches to it i've been holding off on playing anymore yeah but it seems like good stuff they're going to be they're going to be not really changing the balance but just making it a little bit more clear what it takes for you to get three stars and what to do to get certain ranks right changing how the difficulty affects that stuff like that let me save scum i i I got to a point where it's like that's what they're adding they're adding that thank god because it got to a point where i'm i'm literally playing like i mean 40 minute matches and i keep dying and i'm like i don't know what i'm doing wrong i just don't have enough units and they aren't powerful enough i don't know what i'm doing wrong gotta be aggressive that's the most success i've found is like rushing their bases and trying to knock out their supply of like villages so they don't have the same amount of gold that you get each turn so you can just overpower them with troops oh yeah well, what have you been playing? I'm asking you, but I'm looking at your list. I'm curious about a couple of these games. So you tell me. Well, two demos dropped during the direct. So I checked out the Yoshi demo. It's cute. It's easy. It's it's everything you expected from Yoshi. Okay. I also played some of the Damon X Machina demo. And the movement in that game is a lot of fun. The controls are super customizable. So if you don't like how they have it set default, you can change it to whatever you want. 
the UI is all like scalable individually and you can move it around the screen. It's really in, in de- like in depth what you can do to make it what you want it, which is really nice. But the shooting doesn't feel very good. It's hard to tell Ugh. when you're hitting enemies and you don't really get that feedback that you really lo- you want from a shooter. But at the same time, it's not really going for the precision of a, a standard shooter. Like your aim reticle is basically like if your enemy is in this window, you'll shoot toward them. And I don't think any of the weapons are hit scanned, so it's all like projectile based. Hmm. So you just sort of like have to be positioned correctly and wait for them to not be moving so you can start shooting at them. It's a little bit different than what you're like usually going for. But because it's so free, like you're flying, you're jumping in the air and you're soaring around and you have like boosts and stuff. So it's a lot, it's more focused on mobility than it is about precision, which I'm fine with because I'm not very precise when it comes to shooters. Oh yeah, same here. We're we're playing on a Nintendo console, like. Yeah, with the tiny joystick, you're not going to do shit. Like people asking about motion controls, like that would only do so much for a game that's not about precision at all, anyway. Yeah, but I'm still interested in it. They did a, they sent me in an email a like a player survey, like asking for feedback. And one of the things they asked about was the feedback on the shooting. Yeah. So I think they know that's a thing they need to tweak on. But that gives me a little bit more hope. We'll wait for that to come out. I think that's coming out in. Summer? I think that's... They haven't set a date for it. It's just summer. That's one of those games where you just really hope it's going to come out and be one of those surprise successes instead of just a, a, a mediocre flash-in-the-pan sort of thing. Like, we talked about this last time, and it really reminded me about playing like a like a Gotcha Force or one of the Gundam games, and I was actually kind of excited to check this out, provided it was it felt good. You know, I don't want to... I don't want to, like, a half-measure sort of, like... Uh, like a Star Fox Zero or or a Starlink, like a like ah, there's some cool things, but it's just not quite like it's not doesn't quite feel good enough to be a good game. You know, it's just that's a bummer. Max has been playing some Starlink. He's saying that he's enjoying it, but the touching on what you're saying, comparing it to other Gundam games and Gotcha Force and stuff like that, I'm just wondering if this will be hey, this is the Gundam game for Gundam fans or the mech game for mech fans. Because that's the genre that neither of us have been interested in since it started. And it seems True. like they carved out that niche and there's like 10,000 people that play all those games. But are they going to try to expand that audience? Are they going to try to make it more approachable to other people? Or are they just trying to be like, this is a mech-ass game for mech-ass game players? Sure. So if it turns out to be the former, I'll be all in it. If it turns out to be the latter, I might not be as willing to touch it. It's not for us. I also uh, just been carving away at Torna. I'm 30 hours in. Grinding, just- dude. Being super completion-y, doing all the little side quests, trying to max out all my characters, doing the skill trees, doing the weapon trees, you know, you know. Is it still fun or is it just like a a sick compulsion at this point? Is there a difference? (laughs) (laughs) At at our age, no. I mean, why did you collect all those backpacks in Spider-Man? Was it fun or is it a sick compulsion or you just have a a nice little twinge of joy every time you found one? Because for me, I don't need to, I don't need to hone in on what makes it fun as long as I'm having that fun, you know? Well, so... I agree with you. There, there is a, a level of compulsion. It's just obsessive compulsive disorder dictating that I can't thoroughly appreciate a game if I'm not doing every little damn thing, and that's just ridiculous. But I had a lot of fun with that game. Um, frustrating at times, but mostly just fun. But I've played games where I'm not having fun at all, but I have to play it and I have to go through and do every little thing because I spent the money on it and I got to knock it off my goddamn backlog, so I have to just grin and bear it that's not how games should be and i've come around on that you know 
I talked about that with the last Yoshi game. I was like, objectively, it's cute and it controls pretty well. And it's, but I, I'm not having fun with this. It's just, I'm just doing it. You know, I'm just doing it. I'm having fun. That's good. I'm not going to try and quantify my fun and try and say, hey, this would be fun for you also. You might have fun with it. I have no idea. I mean, you had fun playing Repels. It's a lot of the same stuff, you know, checking off lists, fighting enemies. Shout out to Repels. G Potatoes. Deep Cut. Fuck, man. Um, I also finally opened up and put in The End is Nigh, which was that uh, Super Meat Boy, basically, game from right. the same guy who made Super Meat Boy. Yeah. It's fun. It's really enjoyable. It's, it's different from Meat Boy. Your move, like your movement is a lot more limited. You have like this ledge grab mechanic that is utilized and oh, it's right. a lot more. I mean, Meat Boy was like stage based, but in this, each stage is connected to another stage in like a, a real space sort of way. So when you find secret areas, it's like in a physical map location. So that's kind of interesting. But yeah, it's just scratching that Meat Boy itch. It definitely gives off those vibes, man. I'm looking at a little gameplay right now. Controls tight. Controls just the way you die. You start over instantly. Like it's just that same loop. It's it's like it's nice. So this is the developer of Meat Boy, and the artist of Meat Boy went off and did a different thing, correct? Or is no artist. This is the artist. It was the music. It was like the. I think it was just the the soundtrack guy that that stopped. I'm not sure if the. the I don't know. I'm not familiar with that team. Is Team really, Meat? Team Meat. It, it, there was a documentary uh, about them. Okay, okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think it was the developer okay. and the artist separated. Yeah. This is the artist because he okay. did Binding of Isaac in this game. And Team Meat is working on Super Meat Boy Forever, which is that weird Endless Runner procedurally generated thing that's coming out. Nailed it. So, nailed it. It was a really great documentary. Um, oh, goodness. What was it called? Indie Game the Movie. Was it just in, yeah yeah yeah? They were one of the three games that were highlighted in that, right? Yeah, Jonathan Blow is that his name? Who did uh yeah Braid and then Phil Fish for Fez and then Team Meat for Super Meat Boy. Just a list of consummate douchebags. Edmund McMillan and I don't know what the other guy's name is from Team Meat. The Team Meat guys was mostly like two guys. They were pretty relatable to me. Like like one of them was just like a really depressed RT dude, and one was a really really anxious programmer and it was just this very interesting dichotomy there were two sides of the same coin and and it was relatable and seeing them go through like the struggle of in what is in hindsight this monolithic game you know it was part of sort of the the ushering in of a new era with the xbla and all this stuff and has done phenomenally very very interesting documentary uh looking at those two specifically but yeah and those games came out in like 08 didn't they fucking forever ago man yeah but played some of that. Also picked up Tetris 99 because it was free with my uh, my online subscription. Right. Played about maybe an hour of that. I'll tell you what, I'm really bad at Tetris. Have you ever tried playing Tetris at a, at a in a way that's not just, hey, I'm trying to clear some lines? Um, no, Puyo Puyo is is. Uh oh, we got a we have a wild Sarah sighting. She's bringing me delicious pasta and presumably desserts but i can't eat it right now and i'm very bummed if we had started recording an hour ago instead of me sitting on the goddamn phone like a fool i'd be eating that <laughs> pasta right now while we chatted but now well I'm, i can't it smells so yeah, i don't good. need you i don't need you on the front half of the podcast sounding decent and then the second half having cheesy pasta mouth just gurgly fucking spicy parmesan yeah, oh bur yeah burping uh, anyway tetris 99 i'm not good at tetris but it's really entertaining and the more I watch people play and the more I like learn about what the mechanics are, then it's like, it seems like a really, really cool implementation of a multiplayer Tetris in a sort of battle Royale esque way. Cause it makes a lot of sense for Tetris. I mean, 
you think about what the main draw for a battle royale is, is that it's that circle shrinking. It's that forcing people to get into confrontations when they normally wouldn't be. And right. everyone just getting kitted out. And Tetris does that by speeding it up, by increasing your multiplier, by you're sending more garbage to other people. And it's a lot quicker, quicker, quicker till the very end. And that's just like high stress, high tension, really satisfying. That's a very cool application. Like, Typical Tetris multiplayer is just two screens and whoever gets the highest score wins. No, it's not. Isn't OG it? OG Tetris had garbage, yeah. Huh. You learn something new every day, Nick. Apparently. I just recall doing like a, was it doc, like Dr. Mario? Something with a split screen and we're literally both just playing our own game of Tetris. That's boring. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. But this, this is really cool. I haven't downloaded it yet. I need to. This obviously being announced during the Direct, and it was one of the things where they're like, surprise, download it now. Yeah, it's kind of a shadow drop kind of thing. Nobody had any inclination that it was something that was happening. It was just like, oh, Tetris. Okay. And then everyone played it. It's like, oh, crap, dude. Tetris is awesome. <laughs> How many more secret Battle Royale-esque games are we going to get going forward now that this is clearly a recipe for success for the genre? Uh, Dr. Mario World on phone is going to have a Battle Royale. <laughs> That's awful. We know about that, though, right? About the game, anyway, not the... Yeah, the, the game. The fake Battle Royale. That's, that's why I mentioned it, because it's another, you know, falling block puzzle game. Right. I also started up Katamari Damacy Reroll, and boy, that game is so fucking weird it's, and awesome. Bro, I gotta tell I you, love it. I downloaded the demo for this, played about 10 minutes, and was like so disoriented, I deleted it from my Switch. <laughs> In a fit of rage. Dude, I was, I was like... <laughs> I see the goal here. I see the point, but it controls so poorly. Maybe not poorly, it just unintuitively. Like I've been doing things a certain way for so long and I was trying to figure this out and it just wasn't You're working. You're too old properly. to be learning new controls. <laughs> I dude, I was just thinking about that literally today. Thinking about how like like Daniel's kicking my butt at Smash Bros. And I'm I'm getting older and I have less time to play. And it's gonna get to a point where it's just like it baffles me that he's as good as he is at certain things. I'm like, you're 10. How do you how are you this good? I was thinking, I'm going to get to a point where I'm just, I'm going to be sitting there with my kids recounting, ah, oh, well, when I was 20, you should have seen me behind a GameCube controller. I can't do that anymore, though. Like, I don't want to get old, man. I mean, I want to get old. Trust me. I want to get old and be healthy doing it. But I don't want to become out of touch. Why is this you happening? You want to get old, but you don't want to be old. Precise. Well, yes. However that works. I don't want to die young is what I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks for that uh, vote of confidence. I appreciate oh, my goodness. <laughs> that look into your psyche. Oh. But I only played, played like an hour of that. Another game I've also only played an hour of was I hopped into Apex Legends just last night. Does it feel nice? Is this your first Battle Royale? You played Fortnite for a couple hours. I played Fortnite for about five hours, I think. Okay. Or ten hours. I, yeah. I'd have to check my Switch log, but that was on a controller. You know, that was on my Switch. And this was mouse and keyboard. And I'm not mouse and keyboard right. adept. At shooters. Uh, this is the console crusade, okay? You fucking Nazi. PC stands for personal console. Oh! Console crusade, let's fucking do it. It rings like the other battle royale I've played, which is Fortnite, where it was just 10 minutes. Like, each round was like 10 or 15 minutes of me running around, picking stuff up that I don't know what they do. And then, as soon as I find someone, I get shot by them and I die, and then it starts over. Modern Warfare 2, baby. Modern Warfare 2, you respawned and you had a gun always. Oh, so this is even you worse? Know. You're running around weaponless and just dying? <laughs> well, you run around weaponless until you find a weapon, then you pick up the weapon and you don't know what it does. You can't just ch choose your weapon from the beginning and right. play 10 minutes of shooting at people with that weapon. So it's very dissimilar from a standard 
team deathmatch kind of game. Right. I just the uh, I spawn, I die because I'm bad. Rinse, repeat. I'm done with this game after three hours. I don't know. It's the running around, finding stuff, and thinking, oh, this might make me more survivable. This might make me live easier or shoot better. But it doesn't matter because I'm bad at these games on PC, so right. it doesn't really matter in the end. Man, I remember before my brother and his friends got consoles, they were strictly PC players, and I was playing a lot of Battlefront, but my only Battlefront buddy was was friend of the podcast, Brennan, okay? But his nurse schedule prevented him from playing with me when I was able to play for the most part. So I reluctantly got Battlefront on the PC, and I was abysmal. I mean, there's just something... Especially if you haven't been doing it for for your whole life, you just you're not going to be accurate enough with a mouse and a keyboard to hang with the big boys who've been doing it. And God forbid you hook a controller up to your your computer because your input lag is putting you at such a severe disadvantage. There's, there's no point, no matter how good you are. Yeah, it's a weird sort of balance because your movement is so much better on a controller because you have an analog stick, yeah, as opposed to just WASD, you know, just analog, or just digital keys, but. I understand that the precision is infinitely higher with a mouse, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be better with that. I'd rather just rely on their, you know, cobble together auto aim or aim assist or whatever right. than try and rely on my own skills because I have none of those. Same. That's why I don't play anything anymore because it's just a constant reminder of how awful I am and being awful isn't fun. With competitive games, like it was fun because, you know, I was, I was in a voice chat with, with Andrew and Jordan. I was just hanging out. So we we're just, shooting the shit for an hour but like sure. i don't know yeah like it's cool that we all had a shared goal but i understand why games like destiny and monster hunter and even anthem to some people is like a, a more satisfying experience because you're just fighting a computer right and you're a lot more equipped for that than the ever-changing opponent that is real people shudder inside at the notion of real people yeah yeah so a lot of these games you've been playing were announced and dropped during the Nintendo Direct, Yoshi, Tetris. The Direct was two weeks ago, but we we do need to talk about it uh, because it. It, it was, it the, was hottest, big. the hottest news. It was a really great Direct, I think. Yeah, all things considered. Let's let's just go down the list that you've written out here. Like, they opened with Mario Maker 2. Yeah. Which I think I called on the previous podcast, right? Or was that in the group I chat? Don't know. I don't know. might have been the group chat. I, I don't, don't remember. But I called it. Of course, I mean, we all knew this was coming. They said there's there's one unexpected surprise announcement coming. What could it be? They released games in all their franchises, and it's not Metroid. What could it be? Well, it turns out it was both Zelda and Mario Maker, but... Yeah, I don't know how unexpected that was, but it's coming in summer. I mean... That's cool. I love that I love that quick, like, hey, in four months, you're going to be playing this. Right. Uh, I was so excited for that first Mario Maker game, and I did not play it to the extent that I wish I would have, and really... Same. ...taking the time, but I played a lot of user-generated levels and had some fun with... Uh, with my little brother, you know, he he had a blast with Mario Maker. Every time I went over, it was like, hey, see if you can make a level that's going to stump me. And he just had a blast with that. So it's hitting that Minecraft generation of uh, right? creating your own world, you know? Exactly. But it's doing what Minecraft does, but it's a totally different experience. It's its own thing, which is awesome. A lot of Minecraft creativity is like creating for the, just to have the thing there. And right. not to interact with it. It's to look at it. It's to walk around it. It's like a museum. Whereas creating in Mario Maker is like putting on the developer hat and saying, how can I design a cool level? How can I design a level that fucks with my friends? How can I make this right. and play it? 
So that's like, it's both those aspects to it. I didn't really get into the user generating myself. I didn't really want to interact with the unlocking mechanics. That was like, silly. I can't make the level I want to make because I don't have the things and I have to do this like daily login thing. Like it was a bunch of crap. Yeah. And it was hard enough for me to even like convince myself to try and create something anyway. Cause I feel like I would be very inept at that and I wouldn't want, I didn't any roadblock was enough to stop me. Sure. <laughs> but I did like playing the user generated content and I hope they improve the curation, either the curation or the ability to follow users and share levels and that kind of stuff. Curation and discovery. Like the whole system needs to be revamped. Like if I could follow a Twitter account that is linked uh, levels that you clicked on and it opened it up in your switch online app and then you could add it to your queue on Mario maker. That would be one of the only things that could make me download the switch online app. Again. That's sh- that's actually a really cool idea. It's a good, it's a cool idea. I think that it's within their, like their abilities to do something like that. I don't know if they will though. I mean, if they want to make that app worth a goddamn, I mean, they're basically trying to replace me, me versus Twitter anyway. They understand that they don't need to create their own social network. People already use others. Right. So, dude, how amazing would it be if they could somehow incorporate your phone as a secondary remote? Because, you know, the having the, I don't know how that would work, but having the Wii U gamepad was really great for that game because you could, you could build with a stylus on your screen and then you could boom, instantly play it on the TV. Um, or you could just play on the handheld. You could just play on the TV. I wonder if there's a way to incorporate the Switch app and making your phone. S- I don't know what it would be. I don't know what that would look like. The closest you'll do is be able to browse levels in like a Switch app and then add them to a queue. Oh, I think great, they though. would do something like that because the level of interactivity with like Splatoon is like I can check out my stats from the last level that we played or the last match we played, and that's it. But I think what they showed from the direct with their creation tools was very much like, hey, radial menus for when you're playing with a controller and creating with a controller, if you want to do that, but also touchscreen, you know, the Switch has a touchscreen, so just use your finger, whatever. Right. I'm sure it won't be an issue, but having the the second screen was really nice. Yeah, it was cool. It was novel. But now it's like, okay, the worst you got to do is press a button to switch between, it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. And how, how cool was it that they are adding uh, 3D World assets and stuff? I thought that was like, I was not expecting that. I was expecting another 2D thing like a Mario 2 or a Mario Land or a Mario Land 2 uh, suite of tiles. But like the Mario 3D World stuff looks really awesome and the cat suit and stuff. How long until we just get like Dragon Quest Builders Mario Maker crossover and we're building fully 3D World levels? <sighs> Mario 64 levels, bro. That, that's like totally not plausible. That's that's too much stuff. It's not. Yeah. Who knows? Cool. It took them this long to add slopes. Okay. Right. <laughs> slopes. That was the one thing everyone took away from this. Mario Maker's not a sequel. We have slopes. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Calm down, IGN. Dude, slopes are important. People are asking for that shit. They're making weird pseudo slopes by stacking bullet bill blasters on top of flying Koopas of different heights. I mean, it, Very creative. it's a big thing. All right. Yeah, creative. And also like the seesaw little platforms, a lot of cool stuff. I, I, I'm going to be getting it. This is, oh, of course, that's a day one buy. Slopes, man, that introduces a whole new element to endless runner levels, which were the thing. Yeah, I wonder if it will, just because of uh, varied speeds. You slide down at a different speed than you run. So you probably have some situation where it's like, hold down, and then you just slide down, and then they take you on an elevator, and then slide down again. Just a freaking roller coaster, man. After the, the, the Mario Maker stuff, which... This honestly, the Mario Maker was enough for me that I was like, "Hey, that's a one big title. 
if the rest is just Fire Emblem and Indies, like that's that's a good direct. Yeah, we, we're always we're always just looking for that big announcement. Like Nintendo is doing something we care about and it's coming soon. Nailed it right out the gate. Good for you, Nintendo. You get that first pop and then you expect. Well, I thought they would have closed big, and then oh, maybe they still will. Oh, maybe they still will. Or boy, did they! Smash Bros. They they had a they had a video. Uh, they showed some Joker stuff. And it, Not really. They showed him that they had created his character model. Right. And they the, showed the, like, the back model. of it and they panned up and like did like a tiny little view. Like he's technically real. What they told me in that little section was, hey, we're going to have a Smash Bros. Direct because otherwise this 35 minute Direct would be a 50 minute Direct or a 60 minute Direct. And we know, we know you complained about E3 last year. <laughs> so we know. 3.0 is coming. Okay. New modes. 3.0 is coming. They said new modes. It's going to be so... They didn't say new modes. Wait, they didn't? No. They just said 3.0 is coming. Look forward to it. Spring. Before end of April. Are you sure they didn't say look forward to hearing about new game modes and, and no, more characters? No, they did not say that. Oh my god damn it. Why did that get in my head? Because when I saw it, my first thought was, oh my god, we're getting our game modes we've been asking for. Because that's what you want. You see what you want. Cognitive bias. Yes. <laughs> well, bummer. I mean, this is their chance... Especially, hopefully, after getting the feedback on Spirit Mode and all this other shit they did in Smash Bros, where it's cool that we had all the characters, the balancing and the tuning, by all accounts, was was solid. But outside of that, this is easily like the third best Smash Bros game for me. It, it did. It doesn't stand above Brawl. It doesn't stand above Melee. You haven't played Brawl in too long, man. Like, I mean, I would never want to go back to Melee or Brawl. Like, the fighting is really tight in the last two games. I, I might prefer Smash 4, to be honest with you, but as far as a a game... When was the last time you even saw Smash 4 being played? It is astounding how different it looks now that we've played so much Smash Ultimate. Is it slow as shit? Dude, yes. Really? <laughs> People okay. are in the air forever. You hit someone, they're just like... <laughs> and then they hit the, the blast zone. Like, they're dying for like three seconds. The, the Wii U is sitting there ready to be plugged in. I could just dust it off and, and give it a go. I mean, I played it. Do that. I played it don't, like don't you joke with me a month before <laughs> Ultimate came out because Daniel wanted to play, it, and so I just you know it was still hooked up at the time, and so I just had to do a little update and I played it. But um, no, when it, we played it a shit ton this summer too. When you and Max and Trev came down and stayed, we that's all we did while Max was down there for a day. Yeah, people forget real quick. Though. I guess that's maybe maybe so maybe so. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, give us more game modes, man. We need it. Fix the menu. The menu is abysmal. You hated the menu in, in Smash Four. The new the new wheel is is actually the new wheel is what people thought Smash 4's menu was. Yeah, it's just getting worse. Yeah, Dragon Quest Builders. We talked about this uh, last podcast, I think. Yeah. yeah, this is something that at first I was like, oh, it's just it's Minecraft with the Kira Toriyama designs, but it's a lot more than that. Yeah, seems like more RPG elements, even though they're adding something in this one that makes it more Minecrafty with a first-person mode. Sure. But, like, beyond that, I mean, it can have that Minecraft aesthetic, and that's kind of what I gleaned from it initially, but by all accounts and all reviews and impressions and all that kind of sorts of stuff, uh, it's got a lot more RPG kind of elements, a lot more right. action RPG kind of vibes. Yeah. Uh, I'm certainly going to check this out. I mean, the first one's on Switch, right? Or is it not? Yeah, the first one came to Switch. Yeah. Maybe I'll check that out if, if there's a sale. I'll, I'll put in the wish list, you know, just give her a go. I imagine it'll go on sale as we get closer to the, the sequel, but... Mm, Square Enix games don't really go on sale ah, too much, unless true. they're like the Western developed ones. That's true. 
Dragon Quest Eleven. This is when I totally checked out. They spent so much time talking about this game that came out two years ago in Japan. Yeah. And came out last year in America on other consoles. Doesn't look particularly good. It's just, okay. It's Dragon I Quest. I think it looks really beautiful and really nice. And I, I love seeing the the character or the monster designs that I remember from Dragon Warrior Monsters back oh, in the yeah. Game Boy okay. shouts out. And seeing them in 3D and like their little animations. And like, this is what Pokemon, if this is like the best version of what Pokemon would look like in Gen 8. I could see that. Okay. So I want to play this and sort of see how that plays out and just hearing the music actually being the orchestrated version and seeing the stuff that they brought over from the 3ds version in japan with like the 16-bit sort of traversal mode it seems like a really fully featured version of this game it does like they call it the definitive edition and i think it's it seems like that is what it is okay okay i held off on playing on ps4 because i wanted to play it on switch and i'm glad i've waited yeah well this is totally up your alley man like you became a real like freaking jrpg guy in the last year or two i've been a secret weeb i mean I don't, I'm trying to think of what other games you may have played through the years, but it seems like every couple of months you're playing a new JRPG. I mean, think about it. Pokemon, Mario RPG, you get the Dragon Quest Monsters, you get Golden Sun. Yeah, okay. Fire Emblem. Those are all JRPGs. It's just so weird because I think of, when I think of JRPGs, I think of the, the Tales Final games. Fantasy X, dude. Yeah, okay. You are a weeb. God damn it. Hate to break it to you, man. I'm sorry. I only have myself to blame for not realizing sooner. You should have recognized the signs. <laughs> oh, man. I, I just, I didn't, maybe I just didn't want to admit, you know, after all, everything we've been through together, I just didn't want to have the tough conversation, you know? You got Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Onanaki, speaking of very Japanese things. Dude, this entire direct was, was like three awesome, like big titles, and then it was JRPG Heaven, and then some like other weird port trash. But yeah, Onanaki looks pretty fun. This looks like a much bigger game than the, the prior two games that. Tokyo RPG Factory worked on. Right. And I wanted to like I Am Satsuna more than I ended up actually liking it. Had a really great vibe, really great soundtrack. The battle system was almost there, but it just lacked a little bit of the agency that I wanted from something like that. And this game looks a lot more like an action RPG. And it seems like it's hard to tell because it's really, you, you watch a trailer and you got like standard JRPG deep voice guy narrating over it. It's like, what the heck am I actually looking at? But it seems like you're fighting enemies and you gain their powers after defeating them, which affects your abilities to right. fight other monsters. So that intrigues me. And it, it's a gorgeous game. I'm looking at all the screenshots right now. The art direction. It's very toned down. It's like smaller budget, clearly, but it still has a really distinct style. And exactly. that shines through like way higher than just production budget would allow. Dude, you know? that color palette, dude. It looked a lot like, I thought when I first saw it, I thought... Is this like a Xenoblade port? Is this mm. what is is this Shin Megami Tensei? What is this like? There's some really cool like cyberpunk future temple, you know, JRPG crap. But it looks really nice. Yeah. Continuing our 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 Japanese, very very Japanese direct Fire Emblem and the Goblet of Fire, as you put here. Yeah. Uh, great. You it's like that? totally true. Uh, push back to July, but yeah. it's only a month, right? And I was even saying, like, yeah, June yeah. is technically spring. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I think they're looking at June, but then they're like, Mario Maker is June, so let's push it to, to July. Right. And it, they also know that those two really aren't probably going to really compete. Yeah, it's less about competing and more like each month we have a heavy hitter. Ex- yeah. And summer is stacked. This entire Direct was basically summer. 
Right, which which means you know we're still waiting on that Animal Crossing for holiday E three E3, E3, baby yeah Pokemon um in Pokemon God I keep forgetting we're getting another Pokemon game this year because we just got a Pokemon game and it was so fully fledged and fully featured that it feels like so weird that we're getting a core mainline title still in the next eight months Let's Go might be one of the best Pokemon spinoff games ever made I mean I think it's better than at least a third of the mainline Pokemon games, but it's also my bias doing the Kanto thing. But I mean, just from a gameplay mechanic uh, perspective, boomer. no, no, well, no shit, dude. We're the OGs, bro. We're the old guard, man. Pokemon taught you to read and it taught you to hate future Pokemon games. What did you get from Fire Emblem? That was like, I remember your initial reaction in the group chat was like, this is dumb as hell. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, being totally honest, I was totally turned off by the art style, by like what they chose to to show, like regarding just like the weird cutscenes, and I just was like, this just looks like a fucking shitty visual novel. This is Danganronpa, you know? Like I don't want this. I want Fire Emblem. I want hardcore tactical RPG, bro. And this is a bunch of weeboo teenagers. Trying to solve the who done it who who got who got murdered where like this fucking fire emblem I don't know what you mean by the who done it except for you're relating it to Dongan that, that's all that's it's just like it was just a bunch okay. of people talking in a school <laughs> with just paper cutouts and text and I was like this ah I know they showed more know, than that, that was like did you play Awakening that was a lot of Awakening it was a lot of Awakening but it was also still a classic turn based tactics game yeah and they showed us that and this too and a lot of what they showed I really appreciate. I didn't really glean a lot from it by initial watch through, but I watched it additional times and I watched some breakdowns and they crammed a lot of information into a short period of time and that makes it hard to follow. And unfortunately they spent too much time on like lore stuff, which I guess is fair because people like Fire Emblem lore, I guess, but that wasn't what I was interested in. I just wanted to see what they changed mechanically to make it, less like weird RNG bullshit. And it seems like they've got a lot less RNG bullshit going on here where you've got a lot of systems at play where you're deciding, okay, these are the stats I want to focus on. These are the, like these stats get multipliers, like you have like training basically sessions with your, your pupils. Cause you're a teacher. That's kind of an interesting mix up where instead of just being like, Oh, you're the wandering battle commander. I guess you're hired for like right, no goddamn right. Like, right. Th- that was such a flimsy premise to begin with. So this at least, makes a little more sense in the story you being a teacher but like hopefully you're not going to be hooking up with any of your students that's all i'm saying no please god no so this is the first fire emblem game in <sighs> fuck seven years that i haven't pre-ordered the special edition for you still have time well i right i still do i just wasn't moved by it i'm still gonna play it because it's gonna be fire emblem and i know it's going to be and again, this is where I think Awakening just ruined me. I look like the character designs look like crap to me. It's just they get more and more generic with every title since Awakening. And again, how much of that is just, I don't know, though, because I look at Awakening, I look at the games before, and like you have these iconic characters. There are no iconic characters in Fates. There are no iconic characters in uh, Shadows of Valencia. You didn't play Fates, so how do you know if there's no iconic characters? I played a couple hours. I don't know. How many, how many hours did you play of Awakening? I would say there's no iconic characters from Awakening, and I played six hours of that game, so... Fair enough. Just because Lucina's in Smash, like, that doesn't really mean anything to me. And Krom with his weird tattoo, his Dude, cool, like, tribal tattoo, like, Krom's whatever. Krom's tight as fuck. Krom looks like a... like a, He's late to a kegger. 
Bro, you would recognize Tharja if you saw her, dude. Little black magic, little witch. Just because you want to jerk off to your weird anime waifu. Blink, blink. That's right, baby. <laughs> she, dude, there's a statue. It's like $300. It's a beautiful statue. Tharja, bro. Once upon a time, I considered getting it. But that would be so sad. I know, Where right? Where would you put it? In your, in your, in your like weird Dragon Ball in my sh- In my shower. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Otherwise, it would get way too sticky. Exactly. <laughs> Just a quick rinse, you know? Uh, the, the art style on the battlefield like this like it's a beautiful game fire emblem three houses so it's you know i just i need to give it a shot and i will and hopefully by by the time this drops i'll i'll finally kind of let go of some of that what awakening did to me but i do like like you said that you know from a lore perspective okay you've got three nations they're not at war yet so it's not just you know there's this great war between two superpowers and you need the, the fire emblem the, the, you have a MacGuffin that's going to save the day or and each side gets its own game and one game's harder than the other thank god they didn't do that when they showed that yeah. map and, and you know boop, highlighted the different you started sweating like oh my uh, god am I getting three goddamn copies of this game uh, not again and luckily yeah, I'm, st- I'm still that. wondering how that's gonna how that's gonna play out if it'll be you choose a house and then that changes the story and it makes the other two houses at war and you choose whose side to team up with or like right. well, how that plays out, what's happening. We didn't really see much of that. I'm guessing we'll see more at E3 and that they'll like talk about DLC or some stuff because I feel like that's been successful for them in the past. Like map pack DLC and like that kind right. of stuff. Maybe multiplayer. I don't know if they'll have anything like that. I don't know if that was a focus for them and any of the other console ones or I don't know. Just talking out my ass. I do. I do like the idea, though that that whole idea and just giving a game more replayability, without trying to just do it strictly to 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 make more profit. You know, like right. kudos. That's cool. It'll keep. I'm going to play through it three times. I'm going to get a different game each time. If that's something to do, that's that's great. If you like it the first time, then you'll go through it. Provided, yeah, it could just be a total yeah. train wreck and just super generic JRPG. Well, if you want that whatever. super secret ending. You're gonna have to play it three times. God damn it! You're gonna have to. Well, you can go Chrono Trigger. You're gonna play it 15 times, or I can go to YouTube.com. Right, right. A yeah. cheat code. <laughs> uh, well, after after this, they talk Tetris 99, which we've already talked about. Uh, the Damon X Machina demo we talked about. Hellblade, really surprising. This I actually gasped when I saw that. And I was like, huh, weird. I was like, wow, like that. Really? And it looked gorgeous. I don't know if that was actual Switch gameplay. It looked like actual Switch gameplay. If you like pause on it, it seems like it's at a lower resolution, but well, it's just it was really stark seeing that contrasted with how poorly Ooh. Assassin's Creed looked. Yeah. Or uh not Friday the thirteenth, but Dead by Daylight. That right. that game looked wretched. Yeah. But like Hellblade just was super nice. It was, it was gorgeous, man. And this is a game that I just didn't get around to because by the time it sort of came around in the whole hubbub of the last game awards. It was like I have I completely divorced myself from my PC as a as a device to game on, and so I was like, "Well, I'm not going to play it on PC." And that was the one that was like you could get on Xbox, right? Um, or is it just Xbox? I, mean, I, I think it's on Game Pass. It's on. It was on PS4 exclusively. It was, it was on, on PS4 and a uh, PC, and then it came to Xbox later. Oh, it was it PS4? Okay. And then, yeah, it's shows weird. what I know. Um, I didn't even know that. I thought it was the Xbox exclusive for some reason. Well, I mean, they own Ninja Theory now. Oh, that's what it is. Okay, yeah, that's in my brain. So for this a reason. is still this is still Ninja Theory published. You don't see your Microsoft logo at all in that trailer, but it is interesting. And 
we're still getting Wasteland. I don't know about Wasteland 2. And we're still also supposed to be getting Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire. Oh, yeah. And that's also another... That's Obsidian. That, like, they're owned by Microsoft also. So it's weird that we have all these studios that are putting games on Switch but are now owned by Xbox. And people are like, well, that means that Microsoft is putting all their games on the Nintendo Switch. Well, you saw those rumors just yesterday. I mean, we could start a rumor right now that Sony is going to put all their games on Xbox. They're doing it. They're you heard doing it first, it. folks. Well, there were, there were like several outlets reporting from different sources. How do we know they're different sources? They could all be the same guy that's slid into their DMs. Fair, but most websites of any renown, they're not going to just take something they found on 4chan and report it as news. Like it's got to come from either someone who's been right about things before or an industry insider who they can't name because reasons that happens all the time. Being right about something before, doesn't mean that you're the first one to be right about that thing. I could have easily had hopped on, you know, other rumor trains and been like, I have also confirmed with my sources that this is accurate. And then if that turns out true, then I suddenly have clout. Like that doesn't mean anything. And multiple sources, like multiple re- like outlets reporting on it is only as like valid as the outlets themselves. Regardless, it's a rumor that has been perpetuated and is believable enough, which is the crazy part. Because if it was like, if it was like Nintendo is is gonna get bought out by Sega, like no, it's fucking like it's like you know that's bullshit. But to hear oh they're gonna put Xbox Games Pass or they're gonna they're gonna put Cuphead and they're gonna put blah 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 on Switch, like it's like oh yeah that, that like makes a lot of sense. That that it's totally it's not unbelievable at first glance, and so that that's. Obviously, with any conspiracy or any rumor, that's that's all of them if they have any sort of legs. So it's like, well, the thing that people don't understand about Game Pass, it seems like, is that it's not a streaming service; it's a download to play service. Right. So the games would have to run on the Switch. If you're talking about something else, that's something else. But don't say Game Pass; that's completely different. I think people are just getting confused for. Yeah, people. If you get confused about something as simple as that, then I can't trust you as a relevant source. So fuck off. Sure, it's wishful thinking that's supported by a leaked GDC talk that Microsoft is doing about putting a dev tool like on other platforms. Like it's it's just a bunch of nonsense. You know, what's fucked up is Tuesday afternoon we're gonna get Halo announced for the Switch, and we're gonna look like real idiots on Wednesday, Nick. Yeah, well, bring it on. I'm fine with that. I'm not against Xbox games on Switch. I don't care. Like half of them I can play on PC anyway. And they're games that I would prefer to play with a better like resolution. That's well, but like Sunset Overdrive. Fucking I'll play that on Switch. I don't care. That'd be really cool. But then again, like Doom, you could play on PC or PS4. It's a much, much better version, but you still bought it. Mostly probably because you wanted that little red, uh, little red case on the shelf. But it's like, I want the little red case. It's very cute. I'm very satisfied with that little red case. I didn't buy Wolfenstein. If you're happy, I'm happy. Did you play Wolfenstein? No. Would you play Wolfenstein? He's thinking, folks. His eyes went to the well, ceiling. I mean, I would play almost any game depending on if it was free. Oh, well, okay. All right. Well, that's not true. There's so many games that I'll be like, I'll let you borrow or, you know. I would play it. Will I play it? I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Okay. I'm not Will not I play, play Wolfenstein? Outlook not so good. Last thing on here before we get to the fucking grand finale. Astral Chain. Yeah, what'd you think? I want to hear what you thought about that that trailer. Interesting art style. I'm all about big action and, you know, I don't get super hyped for things that I that aren't already known quantity to me. So just like with Onanaki, just like with Damon X Machina, we talked about that last week. It just doesn't move me. This 
is a little bit more of a known quantity because it's it's platinum ass platinum games, you know. But it's like the platinum B team, right? Because the A team is working on presumably uh, Bayonetta. Yeah, but what does that mean? Let me pull up a list here, just so I I just want to make sure I'm right before I talk shit. But their B team has released some pretty rough. The only bad platinum games are the ones that they're working with someone else's IP. And even then, that's not always the case because Nier Automata was awesome. Like Star Fox was bad. People like Bayonetta, I still haven't played any of them. They put out The Legend of Korra. Yeah, IP, working under Activision. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Same with their Transformers game that was okay, but not great. Yeah, the Teenage and their, Mutant and Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles Yeah, Activision. Yeah. yeah. All right, fair enough. What about these rumors that Scalebound is going to be resurrected as a Switch exclusive? A lot of those rumors were only like talked about uh, like last year and I've heard some or like I did some reading and people were thinking that uh, some of the tech that was used in Scalebound is what transformed into Astral Chain. Huh. Okay. I'm curious. I wonder. Engine work and you know very like structural things. Right. Not that Scalebound even looked that very good anyway. Had like an interesting premise but like I had a you know, smart mouth main character who wore headphones all the time. Like, really, really not good. Really edgy, bro. <laughs> really uh, Xbox trying to maintain relevance in a Japanese market they'll never get. Uh, the final thing from the Direct, which legitimately surprised me and excited me. Like, I actually was excited only because of the art style, which is pretty divisive, apparently. But... Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening complete ground up remake for the Nintendo Switch. And they had that completely remade little anime cutscene with Link on the boat and the big egg on the mountain and he, you know, crash lands on the island. It's so cool. Yes. Well, I mean, what do you think about, I mean, this is your, one of your favorite games. Just on the last podcast, last episode, uh, I listened and you said if I were to put a Zelda game on this list, it would be Link's Awakening. You, of course, did not put a Zelda game in your top 10 list, but it is my favorite Zelda game. That's awesome. What do you think of the new art style? First of all, when it introed and it just had some anime oceans and stuff. Yeah. I was like, okay, what is this? And then you get the shot of the boat and I, I still didn't know. I thought Wind Waker instantly. That's dumb. I was hopeful. I saw the cartoony waves I and I just I'm was saying, like, I was like, dude, it's get, dumb. And then I saw Link. And I still thought Wind Waker, because my mind hadn't processed yet, and then I was like, wait a minute, I know that Link. That's an old-ass Link, bro. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get Link until uh, the shot where it was like behind him, and he's holding the rope, and I'm like, oh my god, they're doing Link's Awakening. This yeah. is a shot-for-shot remake <laughs> yeah. of the intro. Like, I knew then, Yeah. and then when like it, panned, it showed his face, and it panned out, and it showed the lightning striking, I was like, I was shooketh. Shooketh. Wait, so- Mightily shooketh. So the art style... <laughs> Of the intro was like, it's not indicative of any gameplay at all. So I was like, okay, show me. Are they going to show us gameplay? Are they just going to show an announcement? Or are they just going to get a logo? What's happening here? Just going to see DX. But then as soon as the, it transitioned and you see like this beautiful like claymation looking art for the character models. And it's got that tilt shift up the field and it's so lovely. And the little sounds that Link makes when he's swinging his sword. The chain chomp <laughs> hopping around, dude. It took me back. By the time that trailer finished, I had I was misty eyed. I was getting a little like misty. not like weepy, but I was like, oh, it's my childhood coming back. I understand the nostalgia feels that people talk about. <laughs> this is this is the uh, the great white buffalo man. I've been chasing this feeling. This is what it's like to feel. <laughs> Honestly, I saw that art style 
and it won me over instantly. Like it was perfect. People were like, "Oh, it's not true to the original art style." The original art style was like sixteen by sixteen character sprites. Yeah, who what fucking the fuck cares? Do you want? There's no Shut style. Up. It was yeah, it was blocks. It was an NES game. It was a bad NES game. It was a it was a Game Boy game. Yeah, a bad NES game. <laughs> no, it was a good Game Boy game. Link's Awakening is better than any NES game. In aesthetic, I'm I'm just aesthetic, purely aesthetic. Okay. No, I I instantly said, okay, a link to the past is like, there's a lot there, but if it wasn't a time and place thing for you or an early game for you, it's just not going to hold up very well, but it's a beautiful game and there there are a lot of really cool aspects to it. And I enjoyed, I have fond memories of what I did play. I probably played through like three quarters of the game. It was a chore, but I I remember it fondly. And then like a link uh, between worlds, which was... If I had more more of a fondness for Link to the Past, maybe be more excited about that game. But it was generic, and it was on the 3DS, or it looked generic rather, and it was on the on the 3DS. And I just, I just, it didn't move me at all. But I saw this, and it was like, like you said, that that like polymer clay, like that clay, Nick. That our moms had. We we fucked with them, and we you bake them in the oven. And I remember, I remember you making this perfect little Yoshi, and just being blown away at how good this little Yoshi was. You just stick her in the oven, and it comes out, and it's a little statue. That's what this game looks like, and that's amazing to me. But it's super tight. Without being like a a Yoshi's Woolly World or a Kirby's Epic, you know, really leaning into like this is a game about clay people. It's not being those things. It's just evocative of that kind of style. Uh, and then the music, and just I said, you know, what? I'm totally, totally. The music down. was a little bit early. It's a little bit rough for me. Was it? Yeah, it seemed like one dude sat in a studio for like a day and like played all these instruments by himself and then like slapdash threw them together. It did not seem very good. I just it was heard fine. The Zelda music and it it like teleported. Listen me. to it again. It's very it's hollow. Okay. Have to but that's what it. I'm hoping will improve. Like I'm fine with it being a not like full orchestra because that's not what this game is about. It's a small game. It takes place on a single little island and like I want that vibe to hold hold true but like the first shot at it was not great okay yeah I'll, I'll give it another go and see but but that no okay what made me missed over was at the very end where they played like the first couple like the first couple bars of the ballad of the windfish song right that it was ooh, gotcha oh it got me boy it got me boy i remember now why i was in and out of this direct i was at the goddamn airport that's right yeah i remember that ah, yeah it seems like fucking forever ago I mean, it, was, it was two weeks ago but I was at the airport and I had spotty service and it kept going in and out and I was like jumping out to text text the group chat and then jumping back in and things were just super janky. That's why I only saw bits of of some of the other stuff, a lot of the Japanese stuff. But yeah, man, this game I feel like this is the this is gonna be the top down you know uh, Zelda game that's gonna it's gonna do it right in 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 the current year and it's gonna pull me in and I'm ready. I think this will be the the best one that they've had since. Probably the Oracle games, honestly. Oh my god, that was I was eight. Yeah, those games came out in like two thousand, I think. And then Minish Cap was a few years after that. And then you got the DS ones that were like they were DS games. The Wind Waker. But they're still like, trying to be Zelda. Yeah. yeah. Sphere Tracks and uh Phantom Hourglass. Phantom Hourglass, yeah. Yeah. And then Link Between Worlds was like a sequel that we didn't have any nostalgia for the original for. And it was just kind of like, it seemed interesting. I wanted to try it out, but I just never got around to it. And I probably won't now. So, but this looks like a really cool take on that. I'm hoping that this doesn't mean they're never going to do anything like this again. I would really like, you see this and you, my mind immediately goes 
I want to remake a basically every top-down game that Nintendo's ever done in this style or right. similar to this style. Like, imagine playing Earthbound and it looked like this. Yeah. Can you, oh um, my can you God. freaking imagine? Can you imagine? Mother you know, 3D so like, with the clay figures from the, the fan guide. I mean, they're in the fan guide because that was like a thing for like the official strategy guide for Earthbound. Oh, was it? And like, and like Mother itself, like they always had been going for that clay oh my kind God. of uh, advertising material and stuff. But yeah, dude, I, stuff like that or like Mario RPG. Mario RPG was basically that pre-rendered style anyway that would look super cool and something like this. Right. But I, I'm afraid that Nintendo's like going to say, hey, this is what this game is and we can't reduce the impact of this style by doing other games in the same exact style, which I understand. But at the same time, I want more remakes. I like yeah. remakes. I like playing the original and I like playing the the honed down, visually beautiful and fantastical reimagining of what I loved from the yeah. first one. Oh, of course. That's and Nintendo does that so well. They really do. And it's I think they are really, really selective about what they do. Unfortunately. And well, I think they've they've got a fantastic track record with it. I can't think of a bad remake they've done. Yeah. So Star Fox Zero. No, it wasn't a remake. It's just that every Star Fox game is the exact same. That's also true. Except for when it's a weird dinosaur planet. Not a Star Fox game, but it got shoehorned into one. Last thing that it actually wasn't in the direct, but was talked about prior and then announced afterward was Hollow Knight sequel, which is actually really cool because it was it was a stretch goal on the Kickstarter ages ago. Right, to be a DLC where you get to play as this uh, tertiary kind of character, the Hornet. Right. But and now they... They did the thing where this is super common with it seems like in Kickstarter uh, games where they overscoped and they decided, hey, let's make this an entire like game. Basically, I feel like that's what happened with Shovel Knight, where they're like, oh, we'll do like campaigns with other characters, but it's not a campaign. Those are full games by themselves. Right. And I'm just hoping that they don't do the Shovel Knight thing and take five years to make this game, too. But I mean, they're a team of three people, and I think it took them four years to make Hollow Knight. I wonder if they're able to scale now just based on the success of I would hope so, but I don't know if that's like what they, they want. That's also true. That can really that can really mess with like their workflow and stuff. I don't know if like they'd be willing to do that. Um they didn't they didn't put any like dates or anything. They just said, Hey, this is gonna be a full game. The Hornet is the playable character. Hundred and fifty, I think like enemies is how much they've made so far. New like, enemies. Yeah, yeah, new enemies. And the enemy variety is like super key in a game like that where you don't have like a gigantic tool set, but you have all the tools you need to encounter every enemy, basically. I think Hollow Knight only had 140 unique enemies. That sounds about right. But that's still like, it seems like a lot, but when you're playing through the game, there's so many different unique areas that it kind of, everything feels right. Yeah. But ever Hollow Knight and how wonderful that game was. And I don't know if I told you about this, but I was listening to Spotify. I just had like a, wasn't a playlist, but it was like one of their pre-made sort of shuffle things going on. And one of the songs from Hollow Knight popped on. I was like, oh, man, I really want to play more Hollow Knight. And then this popped up like a day later and like, okay, I cannot wait for this to come out. Because right. Hollow Knight was so fucking good. Love that game. Yeah, it didn't grasp me. It was it was mean. It was it was just, you know, a couple hits, you're dead. A lot of exploring. You have no map. and You don't really know what you're doing. There are checkpoints are few and far between. It just wasn't very approachable for a casual gamer like myself. Right. That's fair. So this is cool though. And it's sort of doing the opposite, you know, instead of, you know, kind of burrowing deeper and deeper, you're kind of, you're doing the opposite and you're going to explore the, the opposite 
half of this world. And yeah, brand new land. And it seems like Hornet's toolkit is different from the the knights. It gave me a lot more horizontal mobility vibes where she's jumping around and diving at characters. It seemed like similar to how uh, Spectre Knight played differently than Shovel Knight did in its original game. Right. It's really cool. Very stoked, good, good on them. Hopefully they don't get burnt out. Kind of you know, Yacht Club has been doing Shovel Knight for 10 years, 20 years now. My God. Since it, an age immemorial. That <laughs> certainly seems like that. I mean, 2012? When was Kickstarter for that game? 2012 or 2011, I think. And the, the, the game came out in 2014, right? That sounds right. They've been making that game for five years. They just actually uh, delayed that game. Yeah, I saw that. Till like June or July. I feel like that seems like that would be good for a Nintendo Direct, Shadow Drop, and also a trailer for their next game. That's Ooh. what I would do if I, if I was in their marketing division. Fingers crossed. Fucking hell yeah, Nick says on the notes sheet for for Hollow Knight. Fucking hell yeah. <laughs> yes. Silk Song. Uh, the last really notable thing on this list is the Reginator has left the building. Reggie in peace. Uh, really, really surprise. Uh, uh, I'm going to avoid the my body is not ready for this announcement uh, because that was done to death. But yeah, Reggie fils is retiring out of absolutely nowhere. He's been president of, of NOA since 20, 2003. Is that right? 04. 04. And, you know, I, I always I always give NOA a lot of shit for being completely useless. You know, they're not developing games. They don't have any sway over what what the mothership is really doing over in Japan. But that's maybe not necessarily true. But, you know, looking back on Reggie's career, it's like, you know, that guy did a lot for Nintendo and, and being relatable for Western consumers. And, and he presided over probably the most successful era of Nintendo between the 3DS and the Wii. And yeah, man, uh, it's like, and, and so much of that success was due to their sort of 180 in, in marketing and, and how they talk to the public and how they message things to us over here, obviously being like the biggest market for, for video games. Right. Close. I mean, it depends. I know Japan is a lot of uh, deciding over their handheld. Like Japan, Japan right. ate up the DS. Yeah, and even the Game Boy Advance and Game Boy, I think. But like that was when that. I mean, America has always been, you know, really important to their business. But Reggie is just one of those faces that has been a part of Nintendo for as long as I've been paying attention. Pretty much, I think Awada became president of or CEO. Like a little bit before that, it might have been like a year or two before that. Right. So like Awada was there the entire time that I was paying attention. I wasn't even like uh, paying attention. I think it was the Yamauchi family that was kind of the heads of Nintendo for since the beginning. Like it was a family thing until Awada became president. Reggie, man, like he's just he's one of the most recognizable faces in games. Right. And it's gonna be really weird to see him not a part of Nintendo anymore and see someone. I wonder what Doug Bowser, if he's going to try and take his place as like that bombastic face of Nintendo. Nintendo's had a really good job, like having these recognizable faces to be the people that tell you about the things. Right. I mean, Reggie's been in their directs like every single year forever. And even if they're doing yeah. like, the funny skits and like the cool, like sketches with the, the Muppets where they're walking down the hallway. Like that was one of the worst directs I can think of. Like, it had the worst games, the worst announcements, the worst pacing, but it still had that fun 
and the people involved with it, I still love. And just seeing Miyamoto and Awada and Reggie walking down a hallway doing their each individual little bits and turning into the characters from Star Fox. Like, that was really cool. Like, that's a part of their marketing that I really, really enjoy because it's like a fun show that they're putting on. That's like a, it's a presentation. They're ranking it fun. Right. And it, it, it speaks volumes when the, when the people in charge of presenting these messages, when it's apparent that they are fans, Awada was a fan. His whole life was dedicated to how can I do this for a living? I want to make games. I want to make the thing that I love. And he did it. And he, climbed his way up and he brought that joy to us and, and, and when he passed it was like it was kind of crazy to be like here's th- this guy that I don't really know anything about outside of like what he did professionally sort of profound had a profound effect on us so it was like, like damn that guy's been around for everything we have loved our whole lives right practically and so right. and so for and for Reggie it's it, it, it's the same thing yeah he's he's so, I mean what a meme but also what a, what a cool dude and Thank God he doesn't have Twitter. Ugh. But think about how great that could be. No, it would be awful. But I mean, just from the video that the video they put out was really sweet. Like, there's a few little touches that they put in there. Oh yeah. Where where he says, like, I I've got some news to bring directly to you. Like he said directly to you. Yep. And then like near the end he's talking about I'm I'm only retiring, you know, I'm just I want to spend more time with my family and my friends, and my kids. I'm leaving in good health. Like very subtly saying, I'm not sick, like Awada was. So, right. I mean, rest easy. Yeah, a lot of stake in. CEO of one of the biggest like video game companies for 15 years. Yeah. Did a great I, job. I got to say, I am worried a little bit because what made Nintendo unique and in, in sort of over the period they had the, the greatest success was, like I said, these relatable guys who were just big dweebs. They're just big, lovable nerds who love the same things we love. And it was apparent in the way they spoke about the things they were trying to sell us. Like it, it wasn't just a salesman going up there and saying, you know, in a suit and tie and trying to and trying to sell us something. It was someone who cared about what they're doing, who loved what they were doing, and they were passionate about it. And that that goes a long way. And w- with Xbox and with Sony in the past, we haven't seen that. And I'm, and I don't know this Doug Bowser guy, but in the way he is, he's talked, and the way he just, I'm already getting like bad vibes, like not bad vibes. I'm sure he's he's a perfectly sweet guy, but I'm getting very much more the consummate like straight man, like I'm just here to sell you something kind of vibe, which is cause, which is funny because Reggie was, I mean, he was the king of the non-answer, just just right. top tier S rank, like he did his job super well. Right. I hope you look forward to hearing more about this. <laughs> I have nothing yeah, to say the, to you. The canned responses, the turning it around on the interviewer. I mean, I love reading interviews with like. I think it's Steven Totillo over at Kotaku that has a really good rapport with Reggie where every time they sit down, it's like they ask each other about their kids and like they know each other. So it's right. like, we know this old song and dance. I'm going to try and ask you about this thing and you're going to deflect me. But like we both know. So I like that kind of stuff. Doug Bowser, I don't get that the same vibe that you get. He seems like like a an uber dweeb that's like, I'm just so happy to be here. Like that kind of guy. He gives okay. me like Mark Rosewater kind of vibes. Okay, a really? A little bit less intense. Like magic. A little bit less high energy. Yeah, for Magic. Really? That's like a whole opposite end of the spectrum for me. <laughs> he was on one of the uh, episodes of the Nintendo Power podcast that Nintendo started doing just uh, a couple years ago. Okay. We do a monthly podcast. That's kind of fun to sit down and listen to. But yeah, he seems like a nice enough guy. I just... We'll see how he, he tries to present himself. Because with Reggie, like you said, I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but the 
I'm here to kick ass and take names and we're here about making games. Like Reggie was a CEO of maybe marketing at like Pizza Hut before he was a CEO at Nintendo or president okay. of Nintendo. I don't know what the those titles are. They're all just words to me. But like he'd done this job before and he was kind of trying to find his candor and like the way he wanted to present himself. And I think that's something that these newer guys haven't had the opportunity or haven't tried to do yet. Like we haven't seen Furukawa talking in front of a camera yet. Not really, I don't think. And he's the he's the he's the head of Nintendo. And we saw Iwata all the time. We even saw um uh Kimishima talk in front of a camera a couple times. And like he was very like, you know, straight faced, stern, like, I'm here to make sure everything's okay while we look for a new guy. Like that was his role and he played that role well. So it's kind of interesting to see how the way the public perceives their their jobs and the way they're we have no idea what they're actually doing. We don't know what paperwork they're signing, what meetings they're in, what pitches they're hearing, like all that kind of crap. But like all we can judge is what they're showing us. And we haven't seen a lot from Furukawa and not even that much from Bowser yet either. Right. Well, I'm going to keep an open mind about it. Uh, this is super sad to see Reggie go and hopefully he'll still kind of make an appearance here and there. But, you know, preparing for the fact that this guy has been the face of the thing we've loved for 15 years is might, you know, might be gone forever. And, and I'm really less worried about the messaging and just I hope with all of the turnover across NOA and the mothership over there in Japan, like, you know, hopefully they just keep doing their thing and they're doing it well and they don't, you know, this these sort of changes either A, aren't indicative of, of a rocking of the boat or B, won't lead to that, you know? Yeah, and it's also even harder to tell, like, what started when and who is, like, at blame or who should be credited for like good decisions sure, and bad sure. decisions and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, we can talk praise about Iwata, but like the Wii U was a huge failure. And like, there's, you know, whose, whose fault was that? I mean, <clears throat> it's kind of like largely irrelevant, but it'll be interesting to see that Nintendo's on a good trajectory right now. Yeah. And for me at least, and for the public at large, it seems. I remember after Iwata died, going and watching interviews with him and like, just seriously the most humble, like sweetest man who just who was such a dweeb who just loved what he did and, and and loved loved games and yeah it's just like cosmically a huge bummer that he passed before he got to see the switch's success which you know totally. he he had a hand in and they were and cuz the switch in a lot of ways they were doubling down on what the Wii U did they said oh we want to bring this vision to life when we see how we failed with the Wii U and they change trajectories. And the Switch is, in a lot of ways, is the opposite of the Wii U. But it's what they intended with the Wii U, in, in a lot of ways. And so they doubled down on it, and they did it right. And it's a wild success. And it's a bummer that he didn't get to see any of that after, like you said, catastrophic failure that the Wii U was. And quick little mention, but Doug Bowser was, like, his previous role is marketing and uh, advertising, I believe. Okay. Something like, mar- it's marketing. So I believe he was hired on a little bit before the Switch launch. Like he's still a pretty new face at Nintendo, I think. Yeah. I could be totally wrong about that, but... I think it's only been two or three years. Yeah, it hasn't been very long at least, but the Switch marketing has been infinitely better than the Wii U marketing was. And I think that was... That's instrumental to the ability to sell itself. Like showing people like in our age group playing games picking it up from the TV and playing it handheld like that is just that's an easy sell and then you see that out and about and you say oh it's real 
as opposed to like double Yoshi Exploshi and like grandmas hanging out with their grandkids playing Wii U where they're just doing the holdover from Wii and it was just like they, they never found that audience again. Right. The biggest part, I think, for them, I mean, obviously messaging is important, but the biggest part was just getting it in front of people. I mean, even at the height of the Wii, I don't remember seeing advertisements for the Wii that weren't like on Nickelodeon. Obviously, the, the landscape, the social media and the internet was very, very different 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever, um, than it is now. But like the Switch, the first time I remember watching a basketball game on TNT and saying, holy shit, there's a Nintendo Switch commercial. Uh, Nintendo enduring my basketball. That's crazy. Yeah. I've never yeah, seen that. They've done a really good job of selling it to people, and it seems like they've been doing a better job selling it to developers. Like yeah. a lot of these strange, like Hellblade is getting a port to a uh, Nintendo console, and I don't think that's purely because Ninja Theory was like, "Hey, we want to put it on Switch." I feel like that was a two-way street. That was Nintendo saying, "Hey, we want your game on Switch." Also, we, let's work together. Let's give you the development tools. Let's see what you can do. And that's probably been a long time coming. They probably started that project before they were even bought by Microsoft. And, and good on them for it. But, you know, I'm looking forward to the future of this, man. I know it, it, change is scary. Even when we're talking about something completely, we are completely disassociated from any of this. In a lot of ways, yes. Yeah, and so it's just, but it's, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic that, hey, this is a changing of the guard. But, you know, Nintendo is in a good spot, like you said, and and hopefully things carry on in that manner. Was it you that tweeted or did you retweet something where it was, you know, fans, Reggie, give us Mother 3. Reggie retires. <laughs> retires instead. That's like the ultimate, like, that's fucking hilarious. Because the Mother 3 memes have been so strong. And every time he, he makes an appearance, he has to make a joke about Mother 3. Yeah, he has to say, yes, I know. I acknowledge this. Stop sending me letters. <laughs> right. this, is it my purview this isn't what i control i right. can't just call up nintendo of japan and be like hey can we get mother three again yeah. please yeah i've been calling you every day oh man this time i mean it the game is fun i i, I can't believe the switch has been out for as long as it has been it feels like just yesterday we were sitting here on this podcast talking about the nx and then we're talking about the switch announcement and then we were meeting up and buying the thing and that was two years ago Hype train is real, bud. Things and things are going strong, man. Things are going strong, so I'm excited. Thank you, Reggie. I want to miss the guy, man. I was watching some retrospectives and and you know some of, some of his moments, his speech for Awada at the Game Awards 2015. Oh, dude, water too works. much. Water too works, much. man. Can't handle it. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that before bed tonight just to really cap what has been a very depressing weekend. Looking at a very stressful week. Just gotta just just gotta lean into it tonight. Lean in, dude. Lean in. Lean in hard. Oh, oh man. Well, that's the Nintendo console podcast. <laughs> that's that's our new name. Talk about Welcome it. to the Nintendo console <laughs> podcast. That's what we talk about. Console Crusade. Uh, where can they find us? I'm not going to yell this time. I'm not going to yell. I I'm going to mute you anyway. I'm yell. You're going to mute me. I'm going to start yelling. You can uh, go to our website, consolecrusade.com. Email us at feedback at consolecrusade.com. Follow me at Presh Till Death. Follow my boy EJ at EJiggle. Follow our Twitter at console underscore crusade. We're on Facebook. We don't post very often, but sometimes we'll be like, hey, the episode's up. It's Wednesday at 8 p.m. or whatever. Download <laughs> it now. now. And that'll do it.